Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Randy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. This is Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 who joins us now. Uh, what'd you make as somebody that's been around here for every press conference known to man of all time and so many different situations, you know, from letting go of the Manning era to Chris Ballard, for whatever reason, having the trust to getting a year seven to not just pick the new coach, but also to draft, I'm assuming here, the next longer term quarterback coming up in the spring. What did you make of uh, what he had to say on Tuesday at his end of the season presser? Well, he handled it about as well as you could. And, you know, this is one of those that if you like Chris Ballard, you thought he did a good job in the press conference. And if you didn't like him, you you wanted to know what the hell he was doing there talking. He should have been gone. So it was a no-win situation, but I thought he did about as well as you could. I mean, I've seen people, you know, criticize, well, you know, what do you mean you failed and all that? Well, what do you expect him to say? You know, you, you have to kind of, fall on your sword and I, I guess we always look we're, we're wanting answers concrete answers and there are none right now primarily not really what, what, what went wrong although he said some things I thought about what went wrong that really were striking to me but we always want you know immediate answers on head coach on the first pick you know your your, your quarterback and all that so it's what I expected I, I he didn't break any great ground the one thing that I, I that I did think he addressed, and players had been doing this the last month, is there, there is something that has been wrong with the franchise. There just is, and there has been. And it, it's hard to put your finger on it when when players talk about, well, just say I brought accountability. Because whenever people say, whenever players say that, then your inference is, well, that means the guy before them let these guys run wild. And I don't know that that's true. The accountability thing, I think what it is in my mind is that Frank isn't the kind of guy, wasn't the kind of guy to call out players, certainly in the media. Very few coaches do that. But maybe even in meetings. That's what you have coaches for. That's why Tony, Tony Dungy had Tom Moore and you know, people like Howard Mudd, John Turlink, those were his attack dogs. Pretty damn good coaches, but those were his attack dogs. And the one thing that struck me about what Chris Ballard said was, you know, when games really got tight and it got close, you know, sort of our, our competitive confidence, we melted down. That That is just damning of a fran- – uh, uh, not a franchise, of the players. I mean, so when the going got tough, you you know, you – curled in the fetal position. Yeah. Uh, and it, that's not good. And I'm telling you, no, nothing, and we talked about this last week, I think, that n- nothing was more exemplary of that than Nick Foles laying there and Thibodeau laying there doing the snow angels, and nobody did a damn thing. That's just, that's just bad. On all levels, I just have, you know, we saw what, how the Giants reacted when 
Okereke did the you know hit his helmet on it when he was sliding, and two or three of the giant linemen went after him. That's what you want. I mean, you you don't want guys street fighting, but when your quarterback, when any player, not just your quarterback, when any player has been offended like that, somebody steps up and says, "Not on my watch," and nobody did. And, and that 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 just kind of to me showed something deeper that was wrong with this team and the new coach, whoever it is, has got to address it. So Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, he mentioned how uh, stubborn he was. He described himself as dogmatic, which being from Greene County, I immediately had to look up. I had no idea what the hell that meant. Now that I do, I, I just figured dog, as much. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I thought it had to do with taking your dog out to take a dump or something. It did not. <laughs> it was just part of being stubborn. Um, Part of this stubbornness, if not a majority of it, has led us down this path of the failure in which he described at the outset of that press conference on Tuesday. And building the team in a vision in which is not of today high-level winning in the NFL, is that something you think he changes at all? Does he kind of adjust on the fly a little bit here? Will he be different? Or is it going to be lip service and the same old, same old with that in mind we're going to see from the Colts general manager? I think you'll see some. Because he also said, and I even got the stat or the quote right in front of me where he said on my gravestone will be how you build a team. You know, the offensive yeah. line, defense. So, so you're not going to see change there. I hope there is an adjustment. Well, there will be on Someone taking a quarterback because you have to. I mean, you you simply have to. The question is, do you stay at four and get one, or do you go up to one and get the guy you want? I think they're going to move heaven on earth to go to one. I really do. But yes, maybe you and I can get off that island about getting you know better receivers because I'm telling you, if not if when you go after the quarterback in the first round, you, you, you've you got to keep the offense strong around him. I mean, the the, the, the league is, is full of examples where that wasn't the case. Go back to, remember 2002 with the Houston Texans and they drafted the other car, David Carr, and they, they beat the football out of him. They just did. And so I, I would hope, I still think they need another top dog receiver. I just do. And this is not meant as a, a slam on Michael Pittman. I just, they, they need, they need a good sidekick or, or yes. somebody to bring in that he's the good sidekick to. And, and they did him no good service this year by how they threw the ball. He averaged like 9.3 yards of reception. I mean, really? Uh, and some of that was on the team. Some of that was on him. I think he lacks, obviously, the, the top-end speed. But they made him look really, really ordinary, and they can't have that. You need a blocking tight end. Uh, the, you, you need to know if, if, if Ryman is your left tackle. I think they think he is, and I thought he played pretty well the last half of the season. But if you're going to have that quarterback, my goodness, you've got to have weapons around him. And that's at least another receiver, maybe two, if you don't resign Paris Campbell. So he will have to be somewhat flexible and change things. But boy, 
he's not going to change primarily who he is, but they're going to have to help that quarterback because there are needs on the offensive side of the ball. You've been around here forever. That's why I'm going to leave it up to you and ask you this. And I not only brought this up, but put it to some folks earlier this week. If this team was not in need, an absolute need of their longer term future quarterback and not in search of another coach and all this stuff may be too overwhelming for the owner and what the owner have done has done in, in recent history has not worked out whatsoever. If they weren't going through this major transition, would have Jim Mercy thought about cutting ties with Ballard after six years, but there's just so much to do that you keep him here because of that? Yeah, I, he, he, I've talked to the owner many, many times. There's a lot of guys that this market has. He really, I almost said likes Chris Ballard. He trusts Chris Ballard. He does. And you and I, we, we've had this, and, and you've got the better argument than I do. But he, he trusts him to get them out of this. And uh, he sees something that a lot of people don't. And his, his eyes are the only ones that matter, as we've seen through some of the moves over the last month. So I, I, I don't know if, I mean, because I, I could argue that this is a perfect chance to go out and get a new guy. Okay. We're starting over and, you know, I mean, clean slate and you're going to, and you're going to do it. But Jim Mercer just completely trusts Chris Ballard to get him out of this. And there's no other way to read this. I, I, I really don't think it's money. I just don't, although it's not my money. But I, I don't think it's finances that, that he's keeping Chris Ballard. I think he honestly, truly believes that Chris is is that level of, a, of an evaluator. And now, again, like you said, he's, he's going to have to adjust some of his views, whether whether it's being a little more – I'm only saying a little because you're not going to go crazy, but being a little more active. Not active. They're always active in free agency, but more investing more. In in the high end players, and I'm not talking making, you know, Christian Kirk, the, the kind of receiver he was, you know, with the contract last year, with not having done it really before. But when a guy that's proven, and you really believe that the guy's got a, a big upside, or at least more years, three or four more years on, on what he can do, I just think there's times he's going to have to pull the trigger. I just do, and maybe that's one where the owner says. You know, Chris, we're going to do this. You tell me who we're going to do it with, but we're we're going to be more active, more, more again, more heavily invested. And I'm not, I'm not talking going out and spending, you know, buku bucks on five guys, but target two or three guys at those key positions, whatever you want them to be. Well, again, they're going to need a pass rusher. They're going to need an edge pass rusher unless they resign Ngakwe, which I don't know that he showed them enough. They would do that, and and the new head coach is going to have so much to do with that. Yeah. But you got you just got to be a little more flexible with, with spending your owner's money, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. So I, I think that's one area that they will. But yeah, it's it, it's the bottom line is the the owner trusting, and he he lost his trust in Frank Reich for a lot of reasons, but he he trusts him some Chris Ballard. So Mike Chapel is with us. All right. I don't know if this is more that this is what I want to happen with Jim Harbaugh. 
or because there's something out there. I, I do. I truly believe that there's going to be some waves made with Colts interest and Harbaugh interest on both sides here at some point. Do you believe that, or is that me just trying to make something up because that's what I want? I think there is and will be interest in Jim Harbaugh. Now, whether that goes anywhere, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I do believe the team in the past has shown an interest in him, and, and I think they'll have an interest if, if they haven't. I don't think the Colts have reached out to him yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Harbaugh has you know, put a lot of lines in, in the pool or in, in the pond to see what's biting. It's kind of crazy. The more you hear from Michigan and Harbaugh is, well, I'm going to be the coach in 2023, and I think I saw the AD put out something that – or somebody with Michigan, you know, I've had good talks with the coach and, and the AD. What's that mean? Uh, and, and, again, maybe, maybe Harbaugh is, is trying to get more money from Michigan. I don't know. It's been done uh, many times. But it, it, all Jim Harbaugh has to say is, I am staying at Michigan, period. But he doesn't. And I understand why he doesn't do that. But he, he, he can – they can bitch and moan all they want about how the media does this and that. No, all, all the guy has to say is I'm not going anywhere. Don't call me. I'm not yeah. answering. And then don't answer when they call. So, but, but I do, I do think there will be an interest. Uh, I think, I, I think I've seen that either he's reached out or, or Denver and Carolina has reached out and I don't know if they've talked or not, but I, I, how do you not, how do you not test to say, Hey, what, what's your level of interest? And, and I guess at some level, what, what's it going to cost? Because he's going to he's going to cost you a bunch. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Well, I know yeah, it's not my yeah, money, yeah. but we've heard enough from Jim Irsay about I'll do anything. Okay, yeah. well, this is one of those moments where you do yeah. anything. Yeah, and and, and 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 if the owner has a serious serious interest in Harbaugh, then normally you would think it would get done because money wouldn't be an issue. Now then you have to take into account that. You haven't got a quarterback, and you've got issues on the roster. But for the most part, wherever he goes, there's going to be issues. Carolina, Denver, you can yeah. say they got a quarterback, but he played like, you know, not very good yes. this past year. So, so, but, yeah, it, there will be an interest. And, and whether it gets to the sit-down talking stage, I don't know. But I, I'm not even remotely dismissing, ah, they're not going to go after him. Because you've got to at least see – what if, and see what the interest level might be. Oh, I got an opinion piece for you right here. Mike Chappell joins us. Who do you think, given the choice, Jim Mersey would rather have coaching his team moving forward, Jeff Saturday or Jim Harbaugh? A ring of honor guy. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. So the, wait a minute, so the 12th man. Or you, I guess it's not Ooh. the 12th man. It's the fan. So I could do it then. At least, I know, think I could do the GMing. Could I do the GMing? Wouldn't you love to see Ed run this team? I mean, really. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> one or the other. You, you take Harbaugh. He, he's proven. And he's no, you think, of- you think Jim Irsay would take Harbaugh? Would he rather have Harbaugh? Because to me, he really still wants Saturday to be the guy. Even though I think everybody else completely disagrees with him. I I wonder how much that's – he's got interest. He likes Jeff. He, he does. And he, I think he, 
I think that there were there were people in, inside the building, primarily the owner, I think, who, who who think you know, if if we can start in in March, uh, February, late February, and start building from scratch and, and do it Jeff's way and 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 Chris Ballard, I mean they've got to go hand in hand and give him a level playing field, which he didn't have, but they still shouldn't have been that god-awful in the last month. But I think they really would like to see what what could he do given, you know, to build on his own and do it his way. Uh, but, but boy, if, it, if it's either him or Jim Harbaugh, I mean, Harbaugh's done it. it you know, he's done it in college. He's, he, he, he did it at, at San Fran. And so I don't, I don't know that there would be – if Harbaugh walked in there tomorrow and said, you know, I want to be your coach. Boy, I, I you still got to do certain things, but how do you not say, okay, we'll, we'll get your office ready? I, I don't know. I, I think he would take Harbaugh. And I don't make light, I don't mean to make light of the other candidates, including Jeff, but how do you not take that type of experience and success over the other guys who – in many cases, they have really, really good resumes, but they don't have it at the level of a Harbaugh. Would you be questionable about a relationship with Jim Harbaugh and Chris Ballard? I would. I would need to know how it would work if I'm the owner. I, I because again, you've got two outs dogs, and well, you get three with the owner. <laughs> so, uh, I would. I would like to have, and they would if, if they would go that way. They would have some meeting in the minds. Uh, I, I would need to know how it was going to work because, you know, if, if you take the owner out of the equation, which here lately we can't, but generally you, you need to have one, you need to have the buck stop at the GM's desk if he's your GM. And w- would a Harbaugh want to come in? Or let's, let's say Sean Payton. Wouldn't they want to come in and, have pretty good say in, in personnel matters. They would have to work that out, and, and I assume they would, or both of them wouldn't be here. Uh, so I that would, but that no question that would have to be worked out and agreed upon, and the owner would have to believe that both guys say that we can work together. I'm telling you because I, I still think the most important domino to fall in the off season, in my mind, is a quarterback. You got to you got to have a guy. You just have to have a guy. But then, you know, a close second is you've got to have the head coach and the GM who can work together and and, and it not being, well, I think we can make it work. No, if you, if you think you can make it work, it can't work. You, you, they've got to be all in that we can make this work. I keep going back to Tony Dungy and Bill Pullian, two, two, two diametrically opposed personalities, and my goodness, it worked. It, it worked because because it just I can't say why it, it just worked and you don't not because you no you know it's perfect because Tony was the good guy and Bill was the bad guy I mean yeah, it, that's Tony, how that worked never yeah. Tony never insisted on being the GM now he had heavy right. input he did but he understood that Bill Pulling was here for a reason and I'm not saying Bill didn't want to be head coach because a couple times. They did things where the head coach wasn't making, you know, the final decisions, we don't think. But the, the head coach and the GM have got to be able to work together and work well together. 
so, and again, if, if it would be a Harbaugh, I think they would have to have some assurance from both guys that, yeah, this works, and it won't be a strained relationship. We can make this work. So Mike Chappell, final thing with Mike on CBS 4 and Fox 59 all the time. Read, watch, sometimes everything with Mike. Been around the Colts forever. All right, number four right now. Is this something where you believe that they need to move up or are they going to be good with staying where they are and taking what we would call the best quarterback available, which I hate that, but what do you think? Well, if you stay at four, you're going to get whatever the other guys don't want. I mean, yes. is that is that where you're pointing your future? Is that really? No, no I, I, I've said all along that you, you move, you move, you go out and you move up, and you have your choice. You take charge yeah, and have you, your choice. Again, easier said than done. Well, and again, this is an extreme. But you want Peyton Manning or you want Ryan Leaf? I mean, and that's the extreme. But who was the other one? Was it Bledsoe and and, and the Notre Dame guy? His name just immediately uh, Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer was. Uh, so, so you, if you if you've got let's say if you go if you've got three, well you've still got a chance of getting the third best quarterback because you know no one expects Chicago to take a quarterback but but somebody's going to go up and get that and they're going to take a quarterback and you know maybe Houston moves up to one to get their guy and 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 if if you just if you have to have this guy because you think this is. It's not Andrew Luck. It's not Peyton Manning, but he's pretty darn good. Then you do, for the most part, I'm not going to say you do whatever it takes because there's got to be something you wouldn't be willing to do, maybe a player you wouldn't be willing to part with. I don't know. But, boy, you do just about. And it's funny. I talk with Joel Erickson at the Star all the time. He said, no, you do whatever it takes. And I understand that. But there's got to be something you wouldn't do. I, Jonathan Taylor, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. But but you just, if you believe the guy when they really get into the process of looking at these quarterbacks and it's this guy and then, you know, if, if we had, maybe two guys are close. But you still got to get to three because you can't be assured what's going to be at one and two. So, yeah, de- depending on, I guess, what it would take to, to a limit, but boy, you got to do just about anything to move up to one. And don't you think Chicago loves the idea that two or three teams are going to want that spot? I mean, that oh, just yeah. drives up the that just drives up the cost of going to one. And that's why if, if, we always said if if you're going to be bad, be bad. Don't be, you know, sort of bad or sort of stinky bad. No, I mean, really. Just be awful, because it, then you get you get the chance to get luck. You get the chance to get Manning, and you're not risking on getting Ryan Lee for for a lot of reasons that didn't work out. RG three, but when you've got one, you're going to get your guy, and then if it doesn't work, it's on you. And if if, if you get two or three or four, you can say, well, this is, this is a guy that was left. Well, then don't leave their their chance. Do what you can to go up and get the guy. All I would say is. Don't get. It's going to take players probably, along with draft picks. I would be opposed to, to gutting the offense. They did this back in '90. Remember with, with Jeff George, yeah. And it cost them Chris Hinton and Andre Risen. It might not have worked out anyway for a lot of reasons, but to get rid of your left tackle, I mean a generational offensive lineman, 
and Andre Ryzen, who was a knucklehead but was a heck of a player, then you're really just kind of crippling your your the learning curve of a rookie anyway. So I would have maybe a limit somehow, but I would if it's even remotely reasonable, beyond reasonable, unreasonable, but you'd do it, I would do it. Andre Risen, a.k.a. Brock Middlebrooks, I believe, back in the day, right? Wasn't that his I remember, alias? I remember, I remember after his rookie season, he was, he was going home to East Lansing, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he got, stopped, he got stopped for speeding in Fort Wayne. And his argument was, no, I wasn't going 125. I was going 90. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about somebody when your defense is that you were only exceeding the speed limit by like 30. Oh, it's Mike Chapel there. We got, we're going to have a lot more Thursdays to talk about this as it moves forward here. Mike, CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I, I appreciate you, Mike, more than you know. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you next week. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He's from Locked On Pacers, WTHR.com, and he does a variety of things covering the Pacers. Tony East is with us. I'm assuming sitting here right now that there is no new news. I know the Pacers didn't practice today, so it was going to be tough to come up with anything. It probably ends up being one of those Woj type of bombs if we hear anything. But what is, what is the feel? What is the conversation? And note this, Tony, that Pacer fans, because of – the past history with injuries to really good players are expecting every bit of the worst. Yeah. The entire Indianapolis sports history, basically, right. It feels like this has been the case between suspensions or injuries or something. And yeah, the ex, like the Pacers did not practice today. Uh, Rick Carlisle said after they played the Knicks last night, that they'll have some imaging of some kind done today. And he also added that he would leave MSG on crutches. So because I don't have practice today, it's possible we don't hear anything official from the team. However, uh, the day before games, and the Pacers do play the Hawks at home tomorrow, teams typically submit an injury report at some time uh, on the half hours. Uh, usually for the Pacers, it's been 530. It could be any on the half hour for the rest of the day, though. There could be some like very brief high-level injury report that has some sort of uh, information about what his injury could be. So we might see something extremely vague today and nothing specific, but I highly doubt we get any. Here's exactly what is wrong with Tyrese Halliburton today. That said, you know, who knows what this could be? Uh, he walked off with only one shoe on, but it was actually the shoe on the leg that he did injure. He was kind of walking on his own. Um, not He was definitely limping, but didn't require too much assistance. So we'll see, well, this, we'll see where this ends up going. Obviously a big deal for the Pacers, but uh, impossible to say at this point. It's uh, Tony East, again, Locked On Pacers, WTHR.com and more. Talking Pacers last night. We'll dive into that game. They lose, but, you know, came back down 25 in that second half, especially without some major components to their team. Um, it was awkward. That's how I described it. It was an <laughs> awkward-looking situation that, that, honestly, when his shoe popped off, I didn't think too much of it. But when he got up and started limping, I thought, is that more of a limp or more the fact that he's just got one shoe on and one shoe off? But it came apparent that he was with a little bit more than your, I guess, your average uh, discomfort in walking. Yeah, and, that, I, 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 and, again, I think it's more so with Pacer fans, Tony, that we've just been down this path 
so many different <laughs> times that you just kind of expect the worst. That's right. Paul and Victor in the last decade alone, it's just you, you, Danny was hurt several times in the knee. And it just, the franchise has had this sort of problem and the play was super awkward. You're right. Like, between him shooting the layup and actually fully landing on the ground, I think three different players made contact with him, including his own teammate Isaiah Jackson at one point. And I actually think Isaiah Jackson bumping into him helped because Isaiah realized that, oh, he's hurt, I need to foul and stop the play so he can get out of the game. So it was such a, a fast play, and his legs were going all sorts of awkward directions that you know, I think it was clear that you know he, he got up slow and was limping for a reason. And uh, it, it's hard, again, because it happened like that, because he, he was bumped in so many directions, it's really hard to say where this could go. But I don't blame Pacers fans for having any sort of nerves or anything like that, given what's happened to this franchise. So, Tony East, this is something I expect. And, and I know people still want to give him credit you know, for hanging in, and that's fine. But this team has played at that level like that so many times. I think now it's more about who they are in their fabric than, you know, just your, hey, give them credit because they're playing hard and they're grinding and they're getting back into it. They battle and they they don't give up. And I also look at last night's loss not as what a lot of people would suggest. Hey, it was a nice, entertaining loss. Anymore to me, that is bogus. It is a loss, which is a bummer. But what we saw last night is kind of what I think across the board, regardless of who's on the floor, what we have come to expect with this year's Pacer team. Yeah, they, they are never out of a game, are they, right? And I think that Tyrese, uh, ironically of all the guys, would talk about this a lot early in the season that, you know, this team, because they're so new together, they had to learn how to do a lot of stuff. And early in the season, uh, one of their biggest defects was they started games off horribly, right? They had the worst first quarter point differential for the first two months of the season so they got used to playing from behind and figuring out how to do that and yes it's bad they should they should want to be better in first quarters and they have been recently last night notwithstanding but they are very good at you know sticking the course making their adjustments playing Pacers basketball and getting themselves back into these games and last night was another perfect example well they just they just figure out how they can generate better shots and get stops and play the way they want to play and I think because their offense has so many potent weapons, even with so many guys out, you know, they can have games like last night where all of a sudden you go, Whoa, they have, you know, buddy, he'll just hit a million threes in a row. And you know, that all it takes is one Goga play or one TJ McConnell play and they can cut a lead in half in two minutes. Right. And that's exactly what happened in the third quarter last night. I, I know you were watching too, uh, when buddy Heald just couldn't miss all of a sudden, right. And all of a sudden the, the next 25 point lead is down to 10. And then it happens again in the fourth quarter, you know, because they have guys who are capable of that between, you know, Matherin, Halliburton and Heald. And because they have, quality defenders and you know they, they're just so capable of strong runs like that they're so good at adjustments that it is a part of the fabric of their team they're never down too much to be out of a game and they very rarely have been blown out wire to wire in a game I think it's only happened two or three times all season so you know you can never count this team out and last night showed it again so Tony East with us via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline um were you kind of thinking a little bit too I wasn't but were you kind of thinking last night when, you know, Miles gets off the bus or whatever and walks in um, in that long coat and the sunglasses, you know, thinking this dude's loaded up and ready to go on, on a big stage in NYC. And then, you know, right before the start, uh, he is uh, ruled inactive because of back spasms. Was there any part of you that thought maybe he was, uh, he was traded or something was going on beyond back spasms? <laughs> Uh, for me, no, I, I did not think so. Mostly because of who they replaced him in the starting five with. You know, if they had yeah. any sort of 
preconceived idea that he might not play because of a trade. I think they would have been more prepared to, to tweak their unit, but because they made a yeah. whole game plan based around starting a five and they went to James Johnson in his place, it seems like they were caught off guard just as much as everybody else was. And back spasms can be horribly finicky for athletes, right? You never want to deal with something like that. So I understand that the internet has become what it's become when these players are surprisingly out. And it's happened to Turner twice now this season, if you remember opening night, where you know he yeah. gets hurt just before a game and doesn't play. But uh, it never crossed my mind until I saw so many people speculating. And then I thought, oh, I wonder. And then I immediately thought, no, never mind. This is, this is nothing. Hey, Tony, people last night, because I'm, I'm like pro Miles, and um, when, like a night like last night, uh, because there's still some anti-Miles ridiculous dumbassery sentiment out there, uh, they will normally lob stuff at me on Twitter at a night like last night and suggest that when they got down 25, that A, I was enjoying it, and B, I felt bad when the Pacers came back and gave themselves a chance to win. I'm not whatsoever... Um, And I think what I discovered last night with this is no matter what 33 does, there are going to be some out there that are just never, ever going to respect or give any credit for it. Know what I mean? I I think his his participation is just going to be lost on some anti-basketball numb nuts out there. There's nothing you can do. Uh, I agree with that. You know, the, the, the thing with Turner that's so interesting is like as a modern big, as he's been so often coined is like a lot of people who enjoy some of the, you know, more traditional skills of a center, like volleyball on the post and rebounding and all this stuff that miles isn't good at, or isn't as good at as compared to his other skills, you know, they're not going to think he's as good as some of the other people are who cover him. And he has certainly had some injury issues in the past. Like there are a lot of, a, a lot of reasons for, people who like basketball and like certain things about a player to, to not be as big a fan of him as other players. So I, I get it, I guess. I'm not policing what people do and don't like, but because he's such a perfect modern big, like he's so good for the Pacers and you know, you saw how bad their defense can be with Adam last night when the Knicks ripped him apart for much of the game, basically the entire game with less rim protection. You know, he's so valuable to what this team does. He has been for his entire career, but he just plays differently than a lot of other guys at the position. I think for people who have watched basketball a certain way their whole life, it's almost like a shock value thing of what he does. Yeah, back-to-back Atlanta, Memphis coming up Friday and Saturday. Tony, he's talking about that now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Just to say, what if? What does a starting lineup look like coming up on Friday against Trey Young in Atlanta uh, if there is no availability for Miles or Tyrese Halliburton? And then I guess yeah, rotationally, well, rotationally as well, what will things look like? Yeah, everything will have to change in that case, right? And the, tri- the trickiest part of this is, the two games that Halliburton had missed before last night this season, T.J. McConnell also was out, if you remember when they played in Portland and Golden State a while ago. So we don't really know how Rick Carlisle would favor the point guard position if he had both McConnell and Nembard available, how he would kind of tweak things in their backcourt rotation. Because Nembard, everybody remembers how awesome he was in those games, right, going toe-to-toe with Steph Curry and, and getting the Pacers a, a huge win in Golden State. But they didn't have McConnell then, right? So. He, you know, in the past, he's very much, and even this year, too, he's very much valued, you know, keeping continuity with the second unit. So perhaps you would move Andrew Nimbard to the point guard spot and then move somebody else into the starting five, a different guard. Maybe that would be Matherin, uh, for example, to, to balance things out that way. And maybe he would keep it as is and 
move McConnell into the starting five and keep it as like a Nembard, uh, Matherin backcourt off the bench. Who knows? There are a lot of ways it could go, but he, he does like, you know, unit continuity. And, and he also talks a lot about lineup fluidity, though. So there could be a lot that goes on there. In the front court, you know, Jalen Smith certainly would be one of the guys who would would have a big chance of moving into the starting five. He was, you know, told to be the starting four before the season started. He spent the first 20 games doing that. He starts last night, although that was more because Neesmith was out. But I would imagine, you know, he's more comfortable at the five than the four, as we've seen all season, that he would be the guy that starts at the five for Turner. And then Isaiah Jackson would play more. You know, Goga played pretty well against the Knicks last night. I'd imagine he would play a little bit more if there was foul trouble for either their big. So I think those would be the obvious winners. But someone like O'Shea Brissett could get a few more minutes. Terry Taylor snuck in a few minutes last night. You know, Carlisle's not tied to anything. He's talked a lot about the, the rotation changes almost game to game for this team in a way that I could see him kind of experimenting at first, figuring out what to do because Nembard hasn't had a ton of reps playing the point guard this season. So how they sort that all out will be very interesting if they're without two of their best couple guys, especially all weekend. Yeah. um, Neesmith expectation. He's back coming up tomorrow night as well. And, yeah, Duarte is going through kind of a, a bad stretch right now offensively as well. Yeah, I didn't even, you know, consider him to move into the starting five because of how he's playing at the moment. And it's hard for him to find a role with this team, right? He, he played, you know, he was adjusting to their new play style early in the season. And right when he kind of figured out what he can do, he gets hurt for so long and then has been really rough since he had an okay game in Boston, that win they, that huge win they had in, in TD Garden. I think he missed 21 shots in a row between a, or across a five-game stretch. You know, I don't think he needs, you know, stronger um, – a bigger role at this time. I think we just got an update from the Pacers about Tyrese Halbert, by the way, but yeah, Duarte, not a guy you would expect to move up. And uh, it's hard to say exactly what uh, will happen there per the Pacers, by the way, Halbert has a left elbow sprain and a mild left yeah. knee bone contusion. So we'll see uh, how long he's out for, but he will be reevaluated in two weeks. The Pacers say. So at least out for two weeks is what Ward Jarowski saying right now. Yep. Well, that's, uh, that's- they've got some tough games coming up. That's, that's a good yeah. news that it's not something much longer than that, but that, of course, losing him for multiple weeks is, is never good. So, yeah, again, as, as Tony mentioned, Adrian Wojnarowski regarding Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers, sprained left elbow and a mild left knee bruise. And, again, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Hey, refresh our memory right now. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Outside of the Hawks and John Moran and the Grizzlies, second-best team, I think, right now out west, or at least near the top out west, what other games do they have over that particular span, Tony? Yeah, yeah, they've got a road trip coming up, so some tricky timing there. But they've, they're in Milwaukee, uh, OKC, Denver, and Phoenix on a – a four-game road trip next week, and then the week after they play Chicago, Orlando, Milwaukee again, and then Memphis again, and that gets them uh, a little over two weeks from now. And then February starts up with a, a couple a little bit easier. So uh, a tough timing in terms of the fact that they go on a road trip right now. But, again, I think for the Pacers in general, given what this looked like, the fact that it doesn't seem like it's a longer-term thing should be considered good news. I hate asking you this because it's just such a, a defeatist question and attitude and you may have just answered the question before I let you go here. Does does this information, what we know on the surface right now moving forward, change any of the the attitudes, the notions, or what they might be thinking in the present or prior to last night regarding the makeup of this team pre and post 
trade deadline coming up at all? Does that adjust any thinking in your opinion with this time span? I would think it depends on how the time with Adam goes, right? It is still before the deadline, so they can say, okay, let's see what happens. You know, if they play without him for the next couple weeks and survive and are still in that 7-8 mix in the East, then, yeah, maybe they, they stick with their original planning that they currently had. But, you know, if, if, if this causes them to skid and they go, you know, 2, 3, 4, and, and 8 or 10 or whatever, I don't know how long it's going to be, but you get the idea. If they do poorly without him, perhaps they say, okay, let, let's be a little more patient with how this goes. So Tony East will have more for you. Locked on Pacers. Also find it at WTHR.com. Uh, does podcasts and everything, too. He's covering the Pacers via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Tony, thanks for jumping on here and, and uh, giving us this info and opinion. And we'll, I guess, find out here in the uh, next week or two what exactly is going on with this team. I appreciate you, man. You got it. Thanks so much. Andy Moore. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show. He helps me sleep a lot better from the Aurora Specialty Sleep Clinic, the former Big Ten Player of the Year, the former NBAer, the former Terre Haute South standout, the lefty Brian Evans joins us. What in the hell of embarrassment has been going on with this IU team, especially that waste of time we endured last night at Penn State? Well, I called in to have you answer that question. You t- I don't know what the hell is going on. I thought maybe you knew. Well, it looks to me, and I, somebody asked me last night, they don't have anybody that can guard anybody. Um, and I'm not going to go to the shooting thing. Nobody can guard anybody. Nobody really has a desire to want to guard anybody. Um, they are missing two of their dudes, and I guess that would be important because they only have really two dudes anyway, two three-name dudes, and that's really all they have. And then you don't get much inspiration looking over at the bench thinking that, they got that stuff figured out for this team right now, which puts them in a really bad spot, Brian Evans. It really does. Um, it really does. It does not look good right now. I, I feel like a, a, a tailspin is coming, worse than what we've seen. That, that is a bad feeling I wish I didn't have. Um, but, wow, that was a horrible performance, and – it looks like five, on defense, it looks like there, there's five guys out there all on their own separate island. You know, there is no, there is no sense of awareness. There's no team defense at all. No one's helping uh, each other. And that, that was a complete disaster. But the last few, I mean, the last few games have all been really bad. We're, we're, we're watching us just sink day by day. I've, I've been, uh, I've been under the assumption that we hired a Bob Knight guy. Uh, that, that was a big deal, right, to a lot of people. It was not to me. I thought we should have gone out and got the absolute best available. Um, that's not what we did. We wanted to go with a Bob Knight guy. And I, I thought, I would have assumed that was so we could see more Bob Knight strategy and, you know, and feel the presence of Bob Knight a little bit, you know, just a little bit. And how would you do that? Well, you do it, in my opinion, through you, you know his teams are going to compete, you know. You know they're going to play hard every single time. That's a Bob. That's the fabric of a Bob Knight team. 
you know that you're going to use the bench as a motivational tool, right? That's what the bench is for. Go, go sit your ass on the bench <laughs> when you're not doing things the way we want them done, and you may not go back in if you're not going to do what we want done. Out of these last two press conferences, it's, it's the coach and it's the players saying, yeah, we didn't execute the game plan. They gave us a game plan. We didn't do it. You sure as hell didn't give a great effort, and nobody went to the bench. You know, no one's going and sitting down. I would have, em- I would have emptied that thing in the first half and said, you guys can watch because I'm going to give other people a chance because I'm not going to watch this again. Um, I'm getting ready to do that with my remote control. I'm just going to change the channel. Well, and it was difficult not to do that last night. I mean, it really was. And you, it's Brian Evans, the former Big Ten Player of the Year and nba the former Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. But you, you talk about, you know, the, these, you know, game plans or defensive game plans. And you would have thought going in that the one thing that they might be prepared for was to at least get a hand up or be in the general vicinity of any Penn State three-point shooter yet much like they did in that game on Sunday against Northwestern just let Northwestern step into threes with little or no closeout and Northwestern got going Penn State can shoot it they really got going at home and if there's a game plan that was without that especially against Penn State don't you kind of have to throw that in the crapper I mean what kind of game plan defensively would that be I mean that that to me was not lack of execution that was just no understanding of it yeah you know that's the one thing we don't know is you know what what was the game plan you know was it a really bad one um it looked like it but when you're giving up uncontested threes to guys that are um not shaking bait guys you know that are creating you know james harden stuff off the dribble step backs these are two guys that need their feet set step into a shot yeah they can shoot it deep you know they've got range but Man, you just, those are the guys that you just, you have to stick like glue to because they're not going to beat you off the dribble. You just got to stay into them. You know that. And when you're getting beat by those kinds of guys, it's just not a good look. I, the only thing that's just been in my attic for the last few days, or really the last week, is you remember the first few games of the year and, you know, we're running over, you know, St. Mary of the Woods and, you know, the, the little cupcake schools on our schedule. And I, I remember the press conferences, and it's just, you know, players and coaches. We, you know, we're it's going to be a struggle to find minutes for guys. We're so deep. I mean, we have so many. We have so much depth on this team. I've never seen it before. The players are saying, "Oh man, everyone can play." We're all so deep. Now we're down two guys, and we're talking like the season's over. And you know, oh yeah, we're 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 injured. We're hurt. Wait a minute. You're so deep. You still have eight great players. Where are they, by the way? Where are they? Well, and we're talking about a lot of these so-called coming out of high school, highly ranked players as well. And you would think that if there's anybody out there that's able to go to the bench and try to find something as far as, you know, inspiration or a higher level of play or participation, it could be a team like IU and they just don't do it. And if they have done it so far, it's been at a very small basis. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this, this, this thing has turned South real fast. I mean, one of the other things that's running around in my head is 
with with what we thought was a lot of depth, right? I mean, these are still five four star guys. A bunch of you know, we've got a lot enough talent. We don't we're not playing together, and we don't look like we're playing very hard. I I wonder what Painter, Holtman, Holt, uh, you know, Chris Holtman, um, Greg Gard, Izzo. I wonder what they would do with this roster. I mean, I wonder where where we'd sit right now in the Big Ten if we were being coached by one of those top tier guys and. I don't think it would be at the bottom of the league where we're at. It's Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And this may ultimately just equate to the same thing here, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. Where is your higher level of disappointment in what is being coached or what is being played? And again, one is a product of the other seemingly here, but where is your higher level of disappointment and certainly what you've seen out of this team in the last couple of weeks the last week or certainly since they got back on track after that two-week hiatus well i've 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 thought we've been sloppy and unorganized for for quite some time i mean i saw a lot of that last year and i I mean watching us come out of time really paying particular attention to us coming out of timeouts in critical situations last year so you, you know you're looking for uh, a play that gets executed, you know, versus it a good play. Do they execute it? And do we get the shot we were looking for? And I, I, you know, with a Brad Stevens team, you know, and I'll go back. I know he's not been coaching for a while that he was unbelievable. You know, you knew out of a timeout, the next three or four possessions, they're going to execute. Cause he, he was getting that done. You know, the, the players are, are taking it in and they're taking it to the court. They know what to do. And then they're doing it. I, I thought there was a, uh, we had issues with that last year, not just now, but that was going on last year. Um, I think more than anything else, when I'm not seeing guys, they're playing undisciplined, and we're not see them. We're not seeing them be disciplined. You know, we're not seeing guys make these mistakes over and over, and not helping each other, and just giving up layup after layup after dunk, and just keep on seeing the same players on the court. You know, I, I know that you know. Not that we need to go back 30 years, but when you come out and you're not ready to play, you know you get down huge to Northwestern at home. You know those the, the guys on the court at the beginning of the game, they're not on the court anymore. They're just not. You know you had your chance, you didn't come ready to play. Now you got to go sit down for a while. You dug us a hole. I mean, I've heard it said too many times. That, you know, Coach Knight was such a proponent of the first five minutes of each half. I think I heard you say it the other day. And, and it was. It was something that was preached before every single game, and that's where we're. That's where we're really struggling. You know, first five of each half, we're coming out flat. I, I, I have to put it. Um, I got to put on the coach. He's got to get guys prepared to to play and ready to play. And right now, they're not. So Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, the first five minutes, and then. Yeah, you, you had texted me the other day when we were talking about – I was talking about Monday, that Northwestern game. And then after the game, when you have a disappointing home loss like that, and, you know, obviously everybody knows you're missing two players, okay. But everybody can also see your level of defense and how bad it has been 
to suggest, hey, well, look down the bench. These guys aren't here. That's why our defense is so bad. It, to me, and this is just me, you played so you would know better than I. It certainly played for one of the best of all time, knowing better than I. It just seems like such a horrible message to send to everybody on that team as if, hey, you know what? These two guys are gone, so if I half-ass it on defense and get beat and don't give effort, that's okay. That's exactly the opposite message. I would think a guy that played in a great era of basketball for Bob Knight would want to put out there to the general public. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've been really disappointed in the press conferences, and I never pay attention to them but I've been paying attention to them for the last four or five games because of all these signs that were all these things that we're seeing. And I'm with you. There's no excuses. There's, there's such a, there's such a, like a acceptance of, wow, wow. It's hard to play on the road. Like, you know, almost like preparing the, the fan base. To, hey, hey, we're, you know, this was a road game. Don't be expecting anything here. That's hard. Road games are hard in the big 10, Oh my God! You I, that that blows me away. That those types of things were never said. Where the expectation was to win and to win going away. No, we didn't win every game. Come on, but the expectation was no, no, no. We don't care what building it is. We're going to perform. Here's my expectations for you guys, and and that's what I'm. That's what I'm really disappointed in is all these things that I know he experienced that are that are great things. You know, you don't have to try to act like Coach Knight or walk like him, talk like him. You don't have to. But, man, oh, man, did we learn a lot of really good stuff and a really good brand of how to play basketball. And we're not, it doesn't appear as if we're, we're using that playbook at all. And that bothers me. So Brian Evans, who's lived it, experienced it, and played it at a high level, the former Big Ten Player of the Year. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I got to run here, but I, I was thinking about you last night, and I can't lie, I was thinking a little bit about Dane Fife last night <laughs> as well. Wondering, wondering this, B. Evans, wondering if – I mean, it, it sucks to be unemployed, but in his case, if maybe, okay, I would rather be unemployed than be a part of what this messy situation looks right now. Couldn't help myself thinking about that. Well, that's funny. I thought about him, too, and I'd love to call into him, and we've played some phone tag today. I haven't spoken to him, but that, that crossed my mind as well. All right. Thanks for helping me sleep better. And I, I got to get back up there so I can get this uh, new innovation in helping uh, guys like me, people like me, sleep better without snoring at the Aurora Specialty Sleep Clinic. Uh, in case you guys didn't know that, not only was he a fantastic basketball player, but also helps us all sleep better. Those with snoring situations at the Aurora Specialty Sleep Clinic. He and another former great Hoosier, Dr. Steve Green, up there on the, the northeast side in Castleton to do that for you. We'll get you back on again and be more a little bit more in-depth on how you can get us all that struggle with snoring to sleep better, my brother. But I appreciate you. Love to. Get up and see us, man. Thanks a bunch. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Bring on board J.J., Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana. Pacers coverage. Uh, did you hear the news today? I'm assuming you have, J.J., regarding the injury to Tyrese Halliburton. It is a uh, bone bruise situation on the knee. It is a sprained elbow. Two weeks, then reevaluated and checking out the scans. What do you think? 
<laughs> well, I, I admit, over the course of the day, I was kind of checking my phone throughout and seeing him with the crutches after the game, even though it did seem like he was in good spirits. I had some concern. I know it was a, an injury where when you hear knee, when you originally think maybe foot, you think the worst. And then, uh, you know, when you see the crutches with your own eyes, it, it can maybe make you think the worst. So I would say, uh, all things considered, at least this initial report, um, better than it could have been. <laughs> Well, and I have said this, and I, I can't help myself, and I think a lot of Pacer fans would agree with me here. You've been through so much injury-wise. You fear the worst always. And certainly, you not only did last night, you have today, and you probably, to a degree, still do because, you know, a two-week period and then that reevaluation, checking the scans, there is some relative unknown there. Yeah, it's not like you're you're jumping for joy by any means. But uh, when the initial diagnosis, at least as of right now, is is a bruise and maybe a mild sprain, or or vice versa, mild bruise and a, and a sprain, um, you know, you it could have been much worse. And so we'll just have to see what happens. But I, you know. I'm not a doctor, but I do know that we've seen and heard much worse injury reports. And when you're dealing with fractures or ACLs or things like that, at least the verbiage that you're hearing today is better than it could have been. And and he's one of those guys that there are maybe some guys that are going to come back from injury and, and take their sweet time and make sure they're 100%. I mean, I, I think the Pacers will be as cautious as they can because of how important Tyrese Halliburton is. But he will do everything he can to get back as soon as possible. And if you only do miss two to three weeks or you're back at some point in February, there's still a lot of basketball yet to be played. And with the start the Pacers yeah. got off to, there still is an opportunity this season. And that was my biggest fear if, if it's, you know, it, and we don't know for sure right now, but if it's March and he comes back, you know, you lose so much of the season and then what do you have with this season? So, um, to be honest, when I heard the news, I, I kind of breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief, even though it's not anything that we know with 100% certainty. I still say, like you, it could have been worse. So, JJ from Bally Sports Indiana's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Atlanta, Memphis coming up Friday and Saturday. A really interesting and competitive back-to-back, to say the least, right here. I want to move on to the Miles back spasms from last night. How sideswiped were you right before the tip that Miles was going to be unavailable? Yeah, just to peel behind the curtain a little bit, my second segment or the second segment of the game open is always recorded because there's the national anthem going on. And so we talked about Miles Turner during that segment. So at the same time that I was watching our segment play back and the uh, lineups were started to get announced or the anthem was finishing up and I got that news, I was sideswiped. But, uh, you know, that is an injury. And I am not a, a professional basketball player, but I do know that, a few years ago, I bent down to get some clothes out of my son's drawer and tweaked it. I just felt something, and I could not have played basketball. I could barely stand and host a pregame show for that road trip that I was about to go on. So back spasms can happen. He's a, you know, Obviously, he's a, a big man, and I don't know how he tweaked it, but you can tweak it doing any number of things. And so that is an injury that would, would make sense, and uh, you hope that he can get that worked on. He'll have the best care possible to get that worked out and return as soon as he can. Being a man that is certainly worthy of tweaking, pulling, stretching, anything, I've got some product out there in the old truck that somebody brought into this state from Michigan that may have done him upright. I don't know if it had been legal, but it may have done him upright last night. Uh, you think I should yeah. reach out? 
Well, you might, but I do think the Pacers probably have the the best staff possible to deal with that. And uh, oh, they the don't have this stuff, JJ. They don't have this stuff, buddy. They don't have this. Okay. Well, you know some folks with your. I love I love Josh Corbeil a great. I love Josh Corbeil. Um, I don't know if he'd be on the same page with me on this, but I, I'm just telling you. I, uh, I'm riding dirty with some stuff, if you know what I mean, right there, just to make sure that back will stay uh, certainly in place. It's Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana who joins us. All right, the uh, lineup redo that we're going to see, or you expect to see coming up tomorrow <laughs> night against Trey Young and the Hawks. What's it going to look like? Yeah, well, Miles is still questionable on the injury report that came out today in addition to the Tyrese Halliburton news. And, and Aaron Neesmith is questionable, but – you know, he was with the team, and it doesn't seem like it's anything contagious. So if you could get Aaron Neesmith back at least, and then maybe Miles, you go into this weekend set feeling a lot better about things. And one of the reasons you have that confidence, even though you do not have Tyrese Halliburton, is what you saw against the Golden State Warriors. There have not been too many times this season where you've not had Tyrese Halliburton starting and finishing a game. But the two times that you did, you saw that Aaron Neesmith is, or I should say Andrew Nemhart is capable of being – that point guard. And so I just have to think back to that Golden State game and say he's done a really good job playing off ball and focusing on defense because that's what he's been asked to do in the starting lineup when playing alongside Tyrese Halliburton. But you're confident that also T.J. McConnell had that shoulder stinger earlier in the week. He looked just fine last night in New York. And so I do think you go into this weekend set without Tyrese Halliburton and you've got Andrew Nemhart and you've got T.J. McConnell. Those two will, you know, primary point guard responsibilities, and they'll probably play a little bit together. You've still got Buddy Heald. He's Mr. Durability, knock on wood. So you've got him as well. And, and we'll see. I think Isaiah Jackson showed this week that even though he's been in and out of the rotation and played a little bit with the Mad Ants, that he can provide some minutes for you and Jalen Smith. So, and then the revelation from last night would probably be Goga Bataze. Played all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter, and he hasn't – you know, been blessed with getting a lot of playing time over his time with the Pacers. But um, when he had some extended minutes, he, he took advantage of it last night in New York. And so if Miles is not available, I would expect that you get a little bit more from Gogo Bataze. We'll see. You know, Rick Carlisle went with James Johnson to start the game against the Knicks. I think maybe that was just to kind of keep the second unit intact and, and to see how things went against a physical Knicks front line. You don't have the same kind of team that you're facing with the Knicks or even the Grizzlies. So it may be a smaller lineup a little bit this weekend. Jimmy Eggleston, mutual friend of ours, has a birthday Saturday. So when the Grizz are here, he's going to be celebrating a birthday, and he wanted me to give you a shout-out. He was here, and he'll be down there, I'm assuming, either working or watching when John Morant and uh, the uh, unbelievable lineup they have with Indiana Ties rolls into Indianapolis. Yeah, Jimmy's come a long way because I used to give him the business when certain teams would come into town. He'd wear mm-hmm. uh, visiting team's jersey, and I, I never really liked that, but I've seen him in all the Pacers <laughs> gear for the last couple of seasons. So if I see him on yeah. Saturday, I'll wish him happy birthday as long as he's not wearing a John Morant jersey. Because I think there, there might be a few of those in the crowd on Saturday. I'm anticipating yeah, probably uh, will. one of the best I'm- atmospheres all season. I'm going to wear my uh, Jake LaRavia Indiana State jersey, even though he transferred to Wake Forest. <laughs> you, you still claim him after he left after one year? Well, um, I, listen, I, I still want him to do well. There's make no mistake about that. But uh, Yeah, for sure. I, I, and Indiana, I do. Indiana I understand. Indiana as well. 
and it helped it helped his profile a great deal doing what he did. But yeah, being an Indiana Stater as I am, it didn't make me uh, completely. A lot of that stuff didn't make me happy. But seems like I'm kind of cool with it here in in year after year number one. All right, JJ Memphis Saturday night, Atlanta Friday night, Valley Sports Indiana. He's got you covered on that. Thanks for hopping on here on your off day, buddy. Hey, no problem. I'm just glad there is some news, and at least uh, uh, I feel like it's as good as it could have been hoped for. So we'll see what happens this weekend, and we'll continue to monitor Tyrese as he tries to get healthy. You got it. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Have a great one. We'll see you this weekend, bud. All right. Thanks, John.